What's up, Painless Flipping Podcast listeners? Before we dive into today's episode, I've got something special for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of joining an amazing podcast, and I wanted to share that conversation with you all. It's a fantastic discussion you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into that crossover episode and hear what we had to say. Enjoy. Views expressed by Camaplan podcast guests may not reflect those of Camaplan. Camaplan does not guarantee the accuracy of information provided by guests, nor does it endorse or recommend any individual or organization. Camaplan is not an investment advisor, CPA, realtor, or attorney. You are encouraged to conduct your own due diligence before making investment choices. For any tax, legal, accounting, investment, or other questions, please consult a specialist. Hi, I'm Michael Duncan, and welcome back to The Road to Financial Freedom. This podcast is brought to you by Camaplan, a self-directed IRA administrator focused on educating investors on how to grow retirement savings faster through alternative investments. In each episode, we're going to take an in-depth look at the many roads taken to financial freedom and how they differ for each of our guests. Our goal is to help the listeners learn how they can achieve their own financial freedom through the experience and stories of experts that have done just that. Today's guests worked in door-to-door sales after college before getting into real estate. With no prior experience in real estate, he decided to learn by taking massive, imperfect action and by failing his way forward. Five years later, he is the co-owner of Offer on Homes, his real estate investing company, and Investor Thrive, a coaching company dedicated to helping wholesalers and real estate investors acquire more real estate the painless way. I'm very excited to welcome Nathan Payne to the show. Nathan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Feeling great. That is awesome to hear. Um, I notice uh, if you're watching the video listeners, I notice you have a chess board in the back and that just made me oh. think how terrible I am at chess. I've been playing chess online, trying to get better <laughs> and I'm still having trouble beating the computer. What, so. what rank are you? Do, you? do you have a rank yet? Like have you tried uh, playing other people? No, because I can't beat enough of the bots and I don't want to embarrass myself thoroughly online. Bro, those people wreck. They wreck me online. I'm not. I, I love chess. I love to just sit down and play a game and you know have a good time. But uh, yeah, I get wrecked online too. So don't worry. I can't help but wonder if I was actually good as a child or in elementary school. You just felt good because you knew how how all the pieces moved. Now it's like I yeah. still know how the pieces move, but I don't understand how people do what they do. So yeah, it really is. It really is crazy. Like I actually even have. Uh, I was. I was really big into chess back in the day. So my dad got me a chess for dummies book. And I like, you know, I started reading it and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's actually strategy involved. And um, I, when I played, when I first started, I was just moving the pieces. Like you're saying, oh, yeah. Hey, this looks good. I'm not going to get killed here. And then, you know, you get, you get uh, worked and you're like, whatever. But yeah, I like chess. Yeah. I might have to borrow that chess for dummies book from you. Uh, get my I, rank online up a little bit i need to read it again yeah so definitely the, those computers they're they're good they'll yeah. rock you they'll they're get ridiculous. you it's not fair um i think it's rigged but you know that's just me um but uh but anyway yeah i'm i'm really glad to have you on uh, i'm really excited to talk about your journey um like i kind of outlined a little bit in the beginning uh you've come a long way since graduating college and uh <laughs> obviously your path has changed a lot along the way as well and I was wondering if we could just dive into maybe the beginning of, you know, you go into college and choosing what you're pursuing and how that ultimately led to where you're at now. Of course. Yeah. So you want to go all, take it all the way back, Let's huh? Take it all the way back, man. Okay. So 
I uh, let's just take it to high school. So I graduated from high school. Let's just start with there. And before, I, well, I went on a mission for my church. I'm very religious in the sense okay. I love Jesus and and all that. So I went on a two year mission for my church, uh, where we just went and talked to people. And I went to Portland, Oregon, Spanish speaking. So I was working with the Hispanic community out there. And uh, yeah, so I I just got my love of talking to people and working with people and you know getting rejected even like it's okay to get no's. It's all good. So I, I did that for two years and I I worked that muscle right. Mm-hmm. So after before I went on a mission, I did a year of college so i was 18 years old when i graduated from high school went on a year of college living on my own at 19 for 19 to 21 i went on a mission for my church two years got back it was time to finish college right so went right back to college at the age of 21 had uh, three years left and uh you know the next goal was to find a, a wife right because like in 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 the per, per, progressiveness of like our religion or like what we believe is important it's you know it's graduate uh you know go on a mission get an education get married start a family provide for your family and that's like the the purpose of life is to go through you know these steps that that help you achieve you know what you're supposed to do on this life so um that that's kind of where i was at that point in college and i was like well i have no money right like my parents um weren't uh we're middle class right and um I think I had like $500 like in my account after yeah, my mission. That. Yeah. So I was like, well, what is it? What can I do to make money? I, I like talking to people. And in BYU is where I went. I went to a sister school called Brigham Young University, Idaho in Rexburg, Idaho. And there, everybody that's like a sales person or like knows how to talk that got back from the mission, like, not everybody, like a majority went on door-to-door sales. They, they did door-to-door sales. And there were a bunch of recruiting offices. There's pest control, um, dish network, satellite TV, solar, alarm. Solar wasn't as big back then, but when mm-hmm. I started, but there were all those, you know, knife, knives and, and all this random yeah. stuff. And the reason why it's so big there is because, you know, you just had you get a bunch of prospects that just went two years talking to knocking doors and talking to people they're not afraid to go out and work hard so i was like oh let's try that and i was about to do pest control because one of my buddies on the wrestling team there because i was in a college uh, club team wrestling and he was like come do pest so i was like okay and my other friend from a mission jordan wayburn who were still buddies uh, is like hey let's actually do satellite tv with my my uh my cousin so i went from about to do pests to do satellite TV went out for my, um, you know, first three months. And after like when school was out, went out for three months and I made $16,000 in three months, which is like, uh, was amazing for me. Oh, I was yeah. like, Oh, Holy crap. $16,000 in three months. And, and especially when college is, was like, I think tuition was like $1,200 a semester there. It, it's very inexpensive because it's subsidized by the church that I go to. So I was like, dude, I just, I think I just paid for all my college in like one in three months. So I was, I was shook. I was like, well, let's freaking go. That, th- that was where my mind was at at that time. It wasn't, I didn't care. I didn't think about real estate. It was girls getting married, like hanging out, having fun and, and making money, like pr- providing, like making money. So that was the next like three, four years of my uh, experience uh, of where I was, I was like, okay, let's build this door to door thing and let's find a wife. And um, that was, that was it. I, the next year I made 60 K the next, uh, the next year I went out and these are three month increments. So there's a 60,000. Mm-hmm. The next one was 96,000. The next one was 150. And it just kept going up. Cause uh, 
the way you go is in door to door sales is you sell, you get better, obviously, and then you get um, people under you and you make an override. So door to door sales is amazing. It, it's it's a great way to make money because you you get paid a lot. Uh, but uh, after I graduated from college, I still hadn't found that wife I was looking for. It just didn't mm-hmm. work out. But I found my wife. I found my wife after I graduated. I met her in Vegas, and um, we met on a, a dating app, and called Mutual. It's like a church dating app too. <laughs> but uh, we met there. It works. Yeah, it works, right? So we did that and got married. And I said, man, I don't really want to do door to door anymore. I, I don't want to be traveling because in door to door, you got to go somewhere new every, yeah. you know, you got to go to the, uh, you know, Texas or somewhere out of your state so you can bring your team with you. So they focus and they work hard instead of staying in your like own area. And I didn't want that lifestyle anymore. Plus, I didn't want to be like a 40-year-old dude knocking on doors. I just felt like that wasn't the lifestyle I wanted. So I was like, whoa, I got to find a job. And um, and by the way, am I going too much or should no, I? No, no, no. I'm enjoying this. Please okay. keep going. Please. So then it was like, I got to find a job. So throughout my college career, I had networked with a couple of high net worth individuals. Like I, I, I knew a guy in California that was doing property casual insurance, property and casualty insurance. that was making tons of money. So I was like, maybe I get into insurance. And then I knew another guy that did medical sales. And I was like, maybe I do that. So I interviewed, <laughs> I interviewed at like an insurance agency as like, uh, an an agent right like not yeah. even property and casual casualty but just like in like life insurance like normal insurance thing and i was talking to the boss there and i was like um i was asking like direct questions i was like how much do i can i make here and he's like maybe like 40k your first year and i was like well that sucks i can make that i make more than that in like a couple months yeah. or like in a less than a month and then he was like I was like, how much do you make? Not trying to be rude or anything. I was just like, how much can I expect to make if I get to your position? He's like, well, you know, after profit and all that stuff, like maybe a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, maybe. And I'm like, that ain't that tight either. Um, so I was like tr- trying to figure out like if that was the path I wanted to go, was that worth my time? Yeah. Uh, to to use the skill sets that I've acquired. So didn't really like that. And then I went to another interview for medical sales and. I show up looking, I, I dress in a suit, trying to feel good. And I just felt like the whole interview, the guy was like judging me and that's what they're supposed to do. But he was, oh, yeah. I think he was just looking at me and been like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So I, I, I was like, man, this is stupid. I I can do whatever I can do sales. I'm really good at it. Uh, but I feel like I'm just having to sit in front of a bunch of people and, and prove to them that I can do it. Like, let me just try it and I'll show you. But that's not how it wasn't going, how it was going for me in the interview process after like two job interviews. So I was like, forget this. Um, I'm going to do my own thing. So I reached out to my buddy in college uh, that was wholesaling and doing lease options. And his dad was a wholesaler and he was my roommate back in the day. So I said, yo, dude, what are you doing for work? And he's like, well, I work for a tech company. And I'm like, are you doing the real estate thing at all? He's like, I want to, but I just haven't. So let's, let's go both. Let's go in and and figure out this uh, wholesaling thing. So he quit his job. I stopped doing the door to door sales and we went all in on wholesaling and, uh, that's how I got started. No, just like a split decision to get into real estate with no, no interest in it before. I mean, sometimes when you believe in yourself and your abilities, and it was clear that you did, that's all it takes. And, you know, seeing where you are now, you're better to say than I am, but it seems as if that risk was definitely worth taking. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's whatever I want to do in like my life. I, I know I can do it because I think the key to success is not stopping. 
and you might not be the best at it if you just just yeah. throw your throw your crap against the wall and just hope it sticks and that's kind of how i d was doing it for a very long time i would just try everything and stuff would work but it wasn't like the best um and i i learned that from wrestling i wrestled in high school mm -hmm. and i i was trash in high school like when i first started i started as a freshman it was terrible. I was getting pinned like every match and like my, not that my parents don't care about me, but they just wouldn't even come. Like they're like, whatever this guy, he ain't that good. So my first year like sucked, but I kept going. And my dad, this sophomore year, the next year, he's like, Hey, it looks like you're not going to quit. Good for you. Let's actually make you good at this. So yeah. then he like invested more time into like me going to training camps. Then the next year I got third in state and, um, the, the state of Georgia and the JV section. So I went from yeah. being like really bad to like JV third and state. And then I just kept going. And then junior year, I qualified for state senior year. I, I, I got third in state, so I didn't quite win it, but I knew that what? the, uh, the, the key to success is just don't give up and just keep going, taking action. So you clearly learned that lesson early on. I mean, that's right, not yeah. something that I think it, it, for some people, it takes them a long time to learn that. And, you know, part of that is just, you know, the situation they're in or, you know, the experiences they have in life. And I, I think definitely I'm, I don't know your life, but you know, that's awesome that your father was able to say like, Hey, if you're not willing to, if you're not going to quit, then we're going to make you better at it. And you had the drive to actually go through and do it. Um, yeah. So how has that mindset helped you since the moment that you decided, okay, let's go in on this wholesaler thing. So having the wrestling background, the mission background of also not giving up the college background of like not giving up on door to door sales. Like it all translated to, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to go get a deal. How do I get a deal? I got to go talk to somebody. That's just how it works. Talk to someone that owns a house. So I started out knocking doors, asking people if they wanted to sell their house and, um, and cold calling. Yeah. So yeah. I did that and we, I got my first deal with my business partner after three months of just nonstop going, taking action. And then it just snowballed. We were just getting more deals because we were putting out more marketing, more, more action. And the thing is like when you're new, I've learned this recently that quality is better than quantity. Like you've got to be better at than just throwing stuff at the wall. And that's, that's something that's been really hard to like take out of my DNA for so long is just going 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 and just doing the bunch of quantity um yeah. not focusing on the quality so that's that's something i'm pr trying to perfect now is not doing so much because you think if you're busy you're doing good and that's yeah. and that's kind of the same thing with the wrestling like take it back to anything i in wrestling maybe the best use of my time wasn't necessarily like always going to practice maybe it was studying film or uh, yeah. going to learn from a higher level coach than just going to like a high school practice um so all i'm saying is i just did what i thought made sense and i did a lot of it versus really diving in and saying what was the best use of the quality of my time if i would have learned that back in there i'd probably be in a far more advanced position than i am now but it's whatever you learn you learn what you learn when you yeah when you learn it. I mean, so I majored in music at school. I play the trumpet. I've played the trumpet for most of my life. Um, so in college, like one thing that my professor taught me and showed me time and time again was it's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect. It doesn't, if you do something a hundred times wrong, you're not getting better. If you do something one time right, that's something to build on. Um, so it is, it's very, it's very much kind of almost an opposite mindset from that first mindset you had. It really like, is. We're just going to grind and get better. And that's definitely part of it. But I think you're spot on to say that, you know, at a certain point and in certain ways, 
quality is greater than quantity. Yeah, exactly. You said exactly right. And that's, that was the mindset. That was the part of my life, the shift that I I'm having to make. And, um, like for example, so I, I have a coaching business called, uh, painless wholesaling investor thrive is like the, the, the top, the tier, like, um, what's called relic company. Mm -hmm. But, um, like when I first started coaching, I was like, well, how do I reach people? I'm going to blanket the whole world with videos like all a bunch of youtube videos so i was making long form content like podcasts cutting them up yeah. into tons of videos so i had something coming out twice a day every day was the quality that good no it wasn't it was just trying i was trying to flood that's what i thought made sense that's yeah. what i've been doing my whole life is just doing a lot of whatever i wanted to get good at but uh now it's like whoa 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 you're doing so much work right now bro like in my mind you're doing so yeah. much and you could do so much more with so doing less, just make it better. So I, I think that's what happens when people are kind of at the newer state. They, they just think doing a lot of something is the key and that's good to take action, but it's, it's a doing a lot of what, what is actually quality and what makes sense. Not just a lot of nothing. Yeah. It's always finding a balance between the two. Like you have to do exactly. something a lot to get better at it. You know, the whole Malcolm Gladwell, what is it? 10,000 hour rule or what, you know, whatever it is, the Beatles sucked until they played in one crappy bar for, you know, every night for six years or so, whatever it is. I don't know the story. It's something like that, but right. Yeah. Um, yeah but no, there definitely is. It's finding that balance. Um, so for the listeners, what exactly is wholesaling in this context, I guess? Yeah. So, I'll explain what what wholesaling is and why I found it appealing to start with it. So, I I I was married. My wife was is is a dental hygienist, so she was able to work and maintain the income. And my business partner had a wife that works too. So, um, we were like, let's go start this company. And my wife was like, you can go and start this company, but you're not taking any of our money. Like, you you got to figure this out yourself. And same with his wife. So we're we started with zero dollars. And we're like, well, shoot, how do we do real estate with no money? It's tough, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and we didn't know other than wholesaling. And wholesaling is reaching out, finding a property, getting it under contract, that you're going to buy it, and then you have the right to assign that piece of paper, that contract, to someone else for a fee so they can buy it. So, for example, if I get your house under contract for 200000 but I know Jimmy who will pay me two ten. All I have to do is have you sign. We'll both sign. And then I sign an assignment contract with Jimmy and then say, hey, Jimmy, for $10,000, you get the rights to this contract and you can close. And then I sign it to him. Now he's working with you because I signed it. I make $10,000 at closing. So that's why that's what wholesaling is. It's just paperwork. It's it's using negotiation skills. It's us using your ability to reach out and negotiate deals um, to 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 get stuff under contract and then assigning it with zero risk on your end of, you know, having to close on the property. You don't have to come up with any money, even earnest money. You don't need earnest money because you can use the earnest money of Jimmy in this example. If he, if you asked for 5,000 non-refundable earnest money from him and you told, I told you that I give you $500, I can take Jimmy's 5,000, use it, the 500 for you, keep the 400, five, 4,500 in escrow. Uh, well actually all goes in there, but I get to keep that. If, if he bails, I get to keep his money. I can give you your five, a hundred. I get to keep the forty-five, but that's uh, that's why I got in because we had no money. And I guess that's like the the big, the idea of it for the clients would be less work on their part. You know, finding a buyer, that kind of stuff. You're basically a middleman that's 
and correct me if I'm wrong, please. Um, I have very little experience in this, uh, in this field, but yeah. Um, it sounds like you're the middleman that says, Hey, this guy wants to sell a house. Let me go find some people that want to buy a house and you just connect the two and you kind of make them, you make money doing that similar to a real estate agent, but definitely different in the way that it's approached is what it seems like. A hundred percent. You, you nailed it. So there's, there's, the 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 way that it's taught this is why i have a company called painless wholesaling cuz the way i teach it is painless like my name pain it's 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 not painful it's very clever um <laughs> if you're watching he has a hat that in, yes spelled like his name rather than p a i n so yes, um, yes i did notice that immediately i love that <laughs> thanks so uh when i started the traditional way is that they teach is just go find a deal, right? Like I told you, I was like, I don't know how to do this. Let me go find someone that's selling, right? So it was a lot of work and um, taking action on things I did not know if it would made sense, yeah. right? So I was like knocking on people's doors. Hey, are you selling? They'd be like, yeah, what's your offer? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'll offer. I don't know what someone would buy it for. How about yeah. half of what you want? And you know, then it's really hard to negotiate. So you, cause you don't really know where you need to be. And that's what happens is, you know, a lot of wholesalers just are, are going out. They're asking who wants to sell. They don't really know how to negotiate. They're, they're trying to get lucky. Right. Yeah. And, uh, once they find someone they think is in the range, obviously there's like formulas that you're like, Hey, if I get this at this percentage of, the after repair value or was estimate, then it's probably a deal like 70 per 60% of estimate. That's probably a deal. So they'll lock it up without knowing most of the time, especially if they're new and they'll go and try and find someone then once they have a contract and they'll, they'll go look on, you know, online, go to groups. They'll do a bunch of stuff to try. They call it disposition. They try to sell the deal to sign it. So that's usually what happens. And the problem is that with wholesaling is it takes a lot of time to find a deal most of the time because you got to negotiate yeah. a good deal. Then once you have it under contract, you got to find someone to sell it to, which can take a lot of time. And if you don't find someone, you got to cancel your contract. Let's say you've wasted 15 days trying to find someone. No one buys it. You let the seller know. They're like, oh, sorry, I can't buy your house. They're they're annoyed because they thought yeah. that you were going to close. Um and obviously you're doing this during your inspection period. So you're not wasting at least more time of their time. They're aware that you're, you know, doing your inspection. Um, that's a problem. That's, there's a lot of problems that come with that if you do that model. And that's what I did. So it doesn't make sense to me why that's being taught, but that's just what it is. And what I tell people, and this is how I do deals is I say, Hey, develop relationships, amazing relationships with top, like key top buyers in your market and then just go find them what they want, what they're willing to buy. Instead of you having to just go out and just try to get lucky and not know what people are buying, you have a relationship with someone, a buyer that you can just call and say, hey, I got someone on the hook, not 100% sure what to offer. What would you pay for this? And let me just add my fee in there. Oh, I'd pay 200000 Okay, well, I know if I want to make 10 k I got to get it for 10 k less than what you'll pay so I can make my fee. Hmm, so you tell yeah. the seller, hey, I can do 190 And they're like, okay. And you get it 190, you sign it, you know, he's willing to pay 200. So that's not being taught. Uh, really it's, it's mainly just go find a deal. That's like how they tell you to get started. And I'm like, wow, that's that I did it. Wasted a lot of time, a lot of money, uh, bang my head against the wall, probably lost out on a lot of deals that were deals because I just didn't know. Um, so that's, that's my strategy is start with the end in mind first, and work with the buyer and de actually develop a great relationship. We're not talking like, oh, I know he'll buy anything um, in Utah. Well, great. I'll buy anything in Utah if it makes sense. You yeah. want to actually find out 
the criteria, the buy box criteria of, you know, what area, what street doors, how many, how many bedrooms and baths, um, you know, east of the highway, like information that will help you narrow down what they want. So when you actually bring them some, they're interested. So at what point in this wholesaling, you know, in building the company and whatnot, did you decide that you wanted to get into coaching and thought that you had something to offer and, you know, was worth looking into that venture? It's a great question. I got into coaching after spending like thousands and thousands of dollars on mentorships and coaching myself and seeing what I didn't get. Right. Yeah. And no hate on anyone that I've ever worked with. It's just the programs didn't have what I needed. And and what the programs didn't have was like the personalized touch, like the where you felt like you weren't you could reach out to your yeah. your mentor without bothering them. It's like, yo, I just paid you all this money and I feel like I can't even reach out to you without like being a nuisance. Like that's yeah. just not something that should even why would I pay you? And I feel like I can't reach out to you. I'm, I'm getting paying to get mentored. So that wasn't every program, but there's little pieces where I'm like, Oh, I can do this. I think I can do this better. And, um, that's, that's why I got started. Cause I was like, I felt not only the pain of learning the wrong way, but I still see most of the people that teach it. They do it the way I told you in the beginning, just go find yeah. a deal, which causes waste a lot of time. So those are the two things. Saw it was doing wrong and I thought I could improve it. And I mean, that's the key to, I think, almost any business is finding that the niche that you think that you fill that no one else seems to be doing. So it makes perfect sense. Um, So you've mentioned both both on your website and, you know, in talking a little bit, uh, the idea of failing forward and, you know, making these mistakes. And something I love to talk about on this show is the idea that you learn more from failing and making mistakes than you ever will from succeeding. Um, or doing things right the first time. I've just, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of the idea that you learn more in those situations. And I was wondering if there's a time or an instance or something that you know you, you failed at or you learned from, uh, in particular that you could kind of point to and say, hey, let me talk about this and tell them, you know, what I learned from it and how that happened. Oh, bro, I got failures for days, bro. I, I fail every day. It's, it's crazy. Like, uh, I like the market shift that happened with the interest rates going up, I lost $80,000 on a flip. Is that something that I was, anyone was aware of? Would I've done that if that deal, if I knew I was going to lose money? No, but now I know that you gotta, you can't buy so tight. Like everyone in Utah was getting like froggy. They were feeling like, Oh yeah, this is going to keep going. And you know, I bought a deal that was a deal back then and it's not now because the prices have dropped. And I, I learned from that experience. Would I've learned that without? Probably not. Not as painful as what I just, you know, felt. But yeah, um, yeah I think learn. Like for example, I have some students that you know they come into my program, and I tell them what they need to do. They just want more information. They want to study more, and it's like, no, no, no. That you got all the information you need. Like you need to take action. And and they're like, but what if I say this wrong? It's like that. That's good. You need, that's how you're going to learn. But some people just don't want to take the action. They're afraid. They, they got past traumas and issues that they've faced in the past that uh, keep them from taking the action for some reason. And, uh, you know, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to make. Everybody wants the end result. Everybody wants yeah. the what. They want the, the, the nice car, the family, you know, that lives in, you know, has a bunch of vacation homes. And, but, in order to get there, they don't, they don't, they're not really willing to do the, what it takes, like the blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, the, 
at first the quantity and then later turning it into quality. <laughs> they don't want to do any of that. Yeah, Steph Curry definitely missed a lot more threes than he made, you know, in high school, in middle school, in college, I'm sure. So um, true. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's that kind of it's a 10,000 hour idea of the more you do it, the more mistakes you're going to make. But then there's a much less chance that you're going to make that mistake again. Yeah. And I think embracing failure is is a good thing because have you heard of the gap in the gain, the book called The Gap in the Gain? I haven't. It, it it talks about focusing on like instead of the gap of like where what goals you haven't achieved, it's focusing on the wins that you've had, the gain in your life. Yeah. And 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 I kind of relate that to like failure is like if you sit down every day and talk and like write down what how you're winning, and the only way you can really win, in my opinion, is if like you fail to get to that point, right? You gotta like go through some failures to eventually win. And um, like you can even look at a failure as a win. You could be like, hey, that eighty thousand dollar deal, be like, hey, fine. That eighty thousand dollar deal I lost out on, I, I'll never, you know, buy a property at that price again. That's yeah. a win because I know, like, I learned from that experience. So you you can definitely look at failures as wins and measure your success not off of what you lack, but off of what you what you've accomplished. Like this podcast right now, talking about you know college all this stuff. Those are all gains in my opinion. Those are all yeah. wins that have got me to this point. I'm not sitting here like. Oh man, I'm not uh, you know, a billionaire yet. Like I don't I don't even really care about money to be honest. Um, but that's why you don't want to measure yourself off of what you don't have yet, because then you'll be, always be sad. Yep, always. I couldn't agree more. Um, so speaking of that, I think this goes very well. Before uh we get out of here and I let you plug yourself, your company, your website, how people can get in contact with you. Um, something I ask every single one of my um guests is simply what does financial freedom mean to you? So I was reading this morning, there's a, the, uh, it's called two, 10X is easier than 2X and, and is talking about the difference between money and wealth. Money is attached to, it's, it's just a thing, right? It, it just enables you to, to get the wealth, like the things that you want, um, like more time with your family, more, uh, if you think it's a physical thing, like, a like a car or whatever. But for me, like what freedom is, is not to even think about money. Like, I don't even want to think about it. Um, freedom is, is, is true wealth. And that's spending all my time or majority of my time with my family and not like, for example, everybody, like I'm in, in this industry, a lot of people talk about money. They're, they're always yeah. talking about money, like blah, blah, blah. Like I want a thousand doors. I want 10,000. It's just keeps going up and up and up. I don't even want to have those conversations. I want to be like, yo, let's freaking go hang out at the like the chilies and eat some dip. Like that's, that's what I want to talk about. Let's, let's get that. So freedom is not focusing my my opinion on the money. It's think everything else, relationships, friends, family, all that stuff. And financial freedom means not having to worry about the money. Yeah, yeah, it's well said. Exactly. I I ask that question, and I always worry that you know everyone has more or less the same general answer, but then they always find a different way to say it, and they always have different stories or explanations, and I love it, and that's why I keep asking it. I, yeah, I doubted whether or not that would happen at first. And, you know, it makes me happy to hear a different way of saying it every single time, because I For do sure. think that it does mean a little bit something different to everyone. Um, uh, yeah. But Nathan, uh, please uh, plug yourself. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Of course, all of these links will be in the description of this episode. Uh, but please uh, tell them where they can find you. Yeah. So if anyone's interested in learning how to wholesale and how to do deals with literally no money, um, what you can do, I'm just typing in the website right now just to make sure it's active. Um, let's see. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's looks like I'm still getting the the website. Oh, okay. The other one, the other one that I was gonna say out loud, but painlesswholesaling.com is is the one that you guys would have to check out. So painless, like P A Y N E, like my last name, uh, P A Y N E list wholesaling.com. If you go there, um, I have a free masterclass I do every Thursday where I teach you exactly how to you know get a deal from start to finish, and at the very end I do make it an offer to join my program. But you know, don't feel obligated that you need to join it. It's just something I, I give out to people if they, they want to implement a little bit more of what I taught. But that that's my plug. Painlesswholesaling.com, check it out. And we will be able to um, you know, hopefully connect. That's awesome. And yeah, this episode will drop on a Monday, like all my episodes do. So listeners, you have plenty of time to go catch that next masterclass on a Thursday. Uh, that works perfectly. Um, Nathan. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, I had a great time learning about your story, learning about how you got here. It was definitely uh, a very interesting road that I was very excited to uh, hear more and more about. Um, So thank you so much. Uh, I learned a lot today. I'm sure my listeners did as well. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And as always, uh, thank you for listening to The Road to Financial Freedom. If you enjoyed this show, please support the podcast by remembering to rate, review, and subscribe. You can keep up to date with us on Facebook or Instagram at Road to Financial Freedom Podcast. Thanks again, and I will see you next time.